and welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. With me today is returning champion Francis Horton, host of the Hell of a Way to Die podcast. How you doing, Francis? Oh, it is. Um, uh, I, I know that you said that this is going to be coming out uh, well after the Winter War series, so it's going to be a while. But uh, Joe uh, and I are both uh, two weeks deep on uh, dry January or dry January. And uh, so this is a sober after sober evening podcast this is weird yeah. i'm sitting here with like a bottle of water and like i'm not my head isn't swimming slightly so it's a weird feeling for me i have a black uh berry flavored sparkling water and i have to say uh seeing how i came up with this podcast while solidly shit-faced with nick uh it's been jarring for him who is not taking part in dry january because he's <laughs> over there getting torn up and uh <laughs> Because he's solidly always like four to five beers deep when we record. Uh, So having me over here with like a pile of notes and completely sober, which I have to point out has made for much better episodes uh, and easier research. But uh, yeah, it's it's weird that uh, not only is there a presidential debate on which we are both ignoring because good Lord, no, I don't need any help hating like the world that we live in right now. But we are both sober at the same time, which means I definitely cannot handle a presidential debate. You know, I, I, my, my podcast is, you know, very political, but I'm glad that it's not so political that people expect me to live tweet a debate and be mad about stuff. It's like, look guys, vote Sanders. That's it. That's all I've got. I don't have anything else for you. Um, that's, that's my politics. All the rest of them. I don't give a fuck. They all suck. Sanders sucks the least. So there you go. You want me to sit down and like slowly have my brains leak out of my ears while I watch Wolf Blitzer like try to try to you know trick these guys into you know being horny for war. No, I don't need that. Goodbye. Personally, I really like uh, uh, a whole bunch of old saggy marionettes to come out and be like, "Yes, I voted for the Iraq War," but <laughs> and you know what? I just don't fucking care anymore. You know, I, I maybe it's because uh, you know we were both in the military, you still are, um, or that I spend like. 10 to 15 hours a week researching like millions of people dying because of shitty fucking leaders for this show. I'm like, you know, if you voted for shit like that, uh, maybe you should be banned from politics forever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I keep, I keep hearing the, uh, like, Oh, we shouldn't, you shouldn't bring up the Iraq war vote. You know, that was so long ago. And it's like, well, I mean, first off it's that war is still kind of going. Uh, and, and secondly, like, like, I mean, I when 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 the Iraq War started uh, in March of 2003, I was in the army for about two and a half years at that point, um, and I was I guess I was just like oh well I mean I, I how how old I wasn't even on, uh, on my first deployment at that point so I was under the age of 21 I was probably 20 years old 19 or 20 and just being like well I I mean I guess I guess we're bombing these people for a reason right I mean we wouldn't be bombing them for no reason because I was 20 and stupid and didn't understand how the world worked now if you were a politician at that time and you got duped by fucking the president who you know let who who let a couple of fucking airplanes slam into the World Trade Center and then sit there like a dipshit while my pet goat was being read and then and who (laughs) Who's like, you know, some Connecticut dumbass who moved to Texas and was like, hey, 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 I'm a Texan, y'all. I'm, I'm a cowboy. And just like, no, he's, he's a fucking rich asshole. He's, and, and if you're a politician, if you're a well, senator. He cleared brush right. on camera. 
if you got duped by that, if like you believed that guy and you were somebody who was like supposed to be in charge, like look, man, I I fully don't believe in meritocracy anymore. Um, if anything, politicians today prove to me that meritocracy is bullshit. But like back then, it's like I'm sorry if you if you fell for that, either you're stupid or you really wanted to do that dumbass war. Um, and either way, no, you're 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 out for for me. So there's only one guy, and it's Bernie. And uh, Bernie hasn't done anything to get anybody here blown up. So kudos to kudos to him, I guess. I mean, I, I believe a wise man once said, as every once in a while, the tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of a million Iraqi civilians. <laughs> they don't count. I mean, it, you know, it's uh, it's to kill a mockingbird, but with uh, with war. Yeah, that's something that we t- we talk about a lot on this show is like they I consider them uh it could kind of it's a horrible thing to say but the less than dead. Um it, because people just don't care. Like when you saw the uh the the rocket strikes on uh Bulat Air Base um not that long ago, at first, you know, there's incredibly confusing reports come out because that's generally what happens while people are actively being hit with fucking rockets. Uh that like, "Oh, don't worry, only like 10 Iraqis died." Like what? It's still, t- <laughs> it's still ten fucking people, man. I mean, obviously, thankfully that is apparently not true. But you know, the the first things coming out, and you know, I follow a lot of uh, Iraqi journalists on Twitter, and they're like, "Guys, ten people died. Like, come on." Uh, speaking of really bad military decisions, and also apparently when you enlisted in the military, we're talking about Millennium Challenge two thousand two, uh, and there's a good reason for that. I had actually never heard of this training exercise before you brought it up to me and we were uh going to research it for an episode and then i think i got lost in the middle of a seven hour series about the soviet afghan war uh and you wrote an article about it for task and purpose so you're now the subject matter expert yeah so millennium challenge 2002 has has always been fascinating to me and you know the the on the surface when when somebody talks about it, the uh, you know they'll, they'll say, "Oh, it's that war game that you know we did, and the United States had to cheat to win uh, against this you know this op this op for oppositional force general uh, General Ripper, uh, and that you know That's the a only fucking way badass name I know. By the way. <laughs> and he looks he looks fucking severe too. Like he looks like a guy who's gonna come out of nowhere, like just like a velociraptor out of the bush and yell at you because your hand is like too close to your pocket." Like I see your hand about ready to go in that fucking po- pocket private. So, <laughs> so you know, Millennium Challenge MC MCO two um, took place in between uh, after the Afghan War started, but before uh, Iraq started. Um, and it was so it, Millennium Challenge has always been at that time. It was a uh, a lot of big uh, war gaming exercises. Um, and this is like the bit, this is some big shit too. This is, you know, like we talk about going to, uh, NTC national training center, right? You go like, you're a tanker. So what'd you do? You guys put your tanks on the railhead. You take your tanks out there. You drive your tanks around. You shoot at stuff. Um, you would have opposition. Yeah. You have oppositional forces out there, right? You do war games out there, drive around. Of course. Play, play with your, play, uh, what, what, what's that? Uh, what's the shit? Uh, um, the, what is that? That fake. You put oh, the it on miles system. Miles gear, yeah, the miles the gear. Shit, the shit sucks. The shit that never works, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you go out and you play all your war game stuff. But 
Millennium Challenge was was massive. Like it was involving ships. Um, they were out in like kind of the Persian Gulf era uh, area. Um, they were they were airplanes. There was paratroopers. Like they had a lot going on. There was a huge operation. This is very reminiscent of last time we talked, uh, which was Operation Tiger, um, where the uh, if, if you missed that one, that was the plan. That was the war games, the gaming that they were doing before they did D Day, uh, in which just massive incompetence on the U.S. side got like 700 people killed before. No, a thousand people, right? Around there, right? yeah, yeah. I yeah. got like a thousand American and Allied troops killed through like sheer incompetence before they could get you know cut up on the uh, on the beach along um, withering Nazi gunfire. So it, it did. Uh, achieve its goals of breaking soldiers mentally to the point where they didn't find D-Day scary anymore because they just watched a thousand of their friends get drowned. You know, I, uh, one thing that that's funny, because when we talked about that, we talked about how like their, uh, all their stuff was like really censored. You couldn't write home during it. You couldn't, cause they would have no information about this getting out cause they didn't want the access forces to find out about it. And, you know, recently, um, the, with, with everything happening in Iran, they, uh, we sent a whole bunch of the 82nd Airborne over and basically just took all their phones. And we're like, you can't take your phones over there with you. And they're like, well, you know, because, and, and, and there's, there's, you know, reasoning for that. Um, you definitely, oh, of course. You, you know, your dipshit private will absolutely fucking, you know, Snapchat his dick to some rando girl back in like, you know, fucking Bloomberg, Bloomington, Indiana and fucking Al-Qaeda will drop a bomb on you because of that. Yeah, um, we all like to giggle how ISIS accidentally got themselves drone striked by Snapchat. Like, we would definitely fucking do that. Like, we're gonna be we're gonna be trying to dunk on somebody in the comments and Twitter and catch a fucking Hezbollah rocket to the face. Right. <laughs> that yeah, would be how la- I die. The last thing that I uh, that I press tweet on is sending a pig poop balls to <laughs> to, to, to to fucking uh, Duncan Hunter, and then suddenly my entire squad gets whacked. So that's how you truly achieve paradise. <laughs> Shit posters, <laughs> paradise. So the Millennium Challenge, uh, two thousand two. Um, again, like we said, big, big, big war games. Um. And I'll read from uh, a little bit from, from what I uh, wrote here. So Lieutenant General B.B. Bell led the American Blue Force team against the enemy Reds, uh, conveniently left unnamed, bearing a striking resemblance to Iraqi and Iranian defense forces. Uh, the uh, Reds were led by retired, uh, retired now Marine Lieutenant General Van, uh, Paul Van Ripper, known at the time as a controversial yet effective Op 4 commander. Van Ripper knew his side was going to suffer technological disadvantages and adopted asymmetrical strategies to use against uh, American forces with devastating results. So um, asymmetrical is a is a army buzzword that gets thrown around a lot. Um, basically, what it means is like a symmetrical war is like tank on tank, right? Like you and your Abrams goes up against. I don't know what's you know what wh- what's the what's the current good Russian tank like um, the T ninety. 92s or something or the T14s something like that yeah well there's yeah. that T14 armada that but that actually broke down on the fucking parade field and they brought it out <laughs> like everybody come check out our tank oh fuck <laughs> which is exactly how that would happen too it's like when you go to bring your trade your car in or something immediately it fucking breaks down 
Yeah, my my house is on the market, and like every time somebody comes in, I'm like, this person's gonna walk in, and a fucking wall's gonna fall out of here or something. <laughs> never own never own a house that was uh that was made like in in a century before uh indoor plumbing. That's all I'm gonna say. Anyway, so the blue team had an eight point ultimatum for the red team. Uh, the and and it's basically unconditional surrender, right? Um. Yeah, who would have thought our plan to make them surrender without a fight wouldn't work? Shocking. Yeah, I mean, it's it 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 makes sense. I mean, when we talk about when we talk about these wars, right? When we talk about um, you know, what's the win for World War II, right? The Nazis surrender, the Japanese surrender. When we're talking about what we're doing here in Iraq, you know, you have various mission goals and mission statements, right? Where uh where you you want to be able to establish uh you know local military forces you want to build up uh you know not only a centralized government but decentralized smaller local governments you have all these different things that you want to do you have you know various goals to get to your end state so you know the the eight point ultimatum basically had a a bunch of different things that they're like you know these this 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 but basically unconditional surrender at the end well, I mean, fucking does anybody do that? Do, do you think that if we went to the Iranians right now and said, we're going to knock on your doorstep and we want unconditional surrender, so lay down your arm? Fucking, of course not. Absolutely not. Um, no. I, no. Nobody would do that. We wouldn't do that either. No, but, I mean, that's not what we got in Iraq either. I mean, the war has been a complete fucking failure, but uh, we did destroy the Iraqi government, but it didn't surrender. It just kind of fell apart. Right. So, and, and this is, you know, when we talk about asymmetrical warfare, when you are faced with um, a, a fight against a, uh, a technologically superior army, like the United States, obviously, we have, we joke about our shit breaking down all the time, but like, you know, if you're, if you're a guy, like, if you're me, um, I, can't, I can't fight against an F-35. Um, I can't go against a tank. I can't even go against, you know, a, a well-equipped like, squad of, of Marines with, uh, you know, um, MRAPs and, and you know, whatever, Mark 19s, machine guns, shit like that. So what you do is you have to do the asymmetrical where you're just like, okay, I'm going to do guerrilla warfare. I'm going to, you know, make bombs out of just the shit that I can find around here. Um, I'm going to do, I'm going to do basically things that, you know, you, that is not force on force. Um, it's not, you know, I'm going to line my guys up on that side. You're going to line your guys up on this side. And then we're all going to shoot each other until we all fall down. Um, you know, which is which is how the the Revolutionary War was fought. Um, to be fair, I think a Revolutionary War soldier is more combat capable than an F thirty five. So, uh, so again, um, they decided no, we're not going to we're not going to do it. Um, and so Van Ripper pulled uh, his first stunt, which was the um, the the battle cruisers were fitted with this um, a, a GS radar. Now, radar is, I, we, we say the word radar, nobody uses radar anymore. Um, we, there, there's all kinds of different, there, there, radar is a thing that was, you know, created back in like, you know, the 40s and, you know, during World War II, it was a huge thing now. Then it's, you know, a lot more sophisticated now, but basically it's this, uh, you know, this, this radar-like system, right? So it's supposed to be able to ping and see everything that's out there. So what Van Ripper did um, was confuse the uh, sophisticated GS radar system, which I'm also going to point out 
did not technically exist at this time. Yeah, they seem it, to really like that whole uh, we have these notional weapons. We're gonna we're gonna certainly get to that um, when we when we talk when we get a little further into it. But I just want to point out the ultra. I wrote in here the ultra sophisticated Aegeus radar system of the looming uh, uh, navy fleet. So they basically shot a barrage of missiles at at them. Now the Aegeus was supposed to be able to say, "Okay, here here they all are, and we're going to shoot our guns. Boom, boom, boom. We're going to shoot all these missiles out of the air, right?" But underneath all of that, you basically had a bunch of speedboats packed with uh, explosives doing suicide runs on the uh, on all on the fleet, and it sunk basically the fleet in about twenty minutes. So yeah, the, the time like if you ordered a pizza right now, Van Ripper would sink a fleet of navy ships before that pizza would get to your door, basically. I think the best part about this is I found an article um, that now I have to be completely open. War on the Rocks in this podcast do not have a great relationship uh, <laughs> uh, since they attempted to attack us for calling what the article is fucking stupid. Uh, they have an article on this as well, and they have a quote from uh, Van Ripper, who was uh, in the command cell when this is all going on. I guess it's called the white cell. Um, he said, quote, it was an, e- after I did this, there was an eerie silence. Like nobody knew what to do next. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. An urgent, uh, received an urgent phone call from, uh, from Commander Luck. Sir Van Ripper just slimed all of the ships. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so bad. Like I, I, is, is slime some kind of Navy, Navy term for destroying a, a ship? I guess, or maybe I don't know, but uh, but he 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 fucked them up. He got them all down with basically like what we see now. I mean, VBIDs, vehicle-borne IEDs, suicide, you know, bombers and stuff like that. Like that's not hard, and that is it's not even new. I mean, the no. the the Japanese Imperial Navy planned to do virtually the same thing to us if we invaded the Japanese homeland. Right, just strap everybody like. <laughs> They, obviously, they had no problems, you know, strapping people inside of things and being like, just, know, just fucking run into that real hard. <laughs> Don't worry, we won't teach you how to land, kid. We're not, I, especially like when they're just like, how much, how much less like a bomb, a plane can we make this and more like a bomb that we still have to put a person into for some reason. <laughs> so, uh, they... They're just like, well, shit. I mean, this was a two-week-long um, exercise, and in like ten minutes, uh, Van Ripper just fucking smoked everybody, caused twenty thousand uh, casualties in ten minutes, uh, and yeah, nobody, nobody knew what the fuck to do. So they had to refloat it. They're like, okay, that doesn't count. Um, now, I'm going to point out a couple of things here because first off, people. People like to, you know, like, oh, they had to cheat. Like, no, they had two weeks that they were doing this. You're supposed to learn. Oh, shit. Van Ripper did this thing that we were not planning. So we are going to now plan for that. That's, they might, they might do that. And they did. They planned like, hey, keep some of the guns pointed down. You know, one of the funniest things I've always seen was in, uh, was like a, um, um, uh, an aircraft carrier that, they're like, well, we have to worry about like literally this thing, speedboats with uh, with explosives on it. Because they get close enough, they can you know fuck up a hole uh, a hole real easy. And like once, and like when a small boat gets to a certain point close, like 
it, you can't do anything. Like it's it's too close for you to be able to shoot it. Now, aircraft carriers are generally like you know um, protected by destroyers. There's always like a fleet around it, some kind um, of protector in ships. But you know if you bomb those ones, you know the fucking open yourself up to uh, to get somebody else in. So the the Marines just took to like parking in uh, an LAV vehicle like out on the flight deck and just pointing just like all right if anybody gets close just fucking shoot them um rather which which like is dumb like you think of it as dumb but also it's like we already have a thing that can do this just park an lav out there put, <laughs> put the chalk blocks down so it doesn't roll into the ocean and point it at the ocean in case anybody gets too close and the big guns can't handle it now y'all shoot it i'm willing to bet that the lav was the marines idea but the chalk blocks were the navy's idea well, you know, and, and what's really stupid about this whole thing, and I know it's it, it's different, but it, it's it's not, is two years before the coal bombing happened. So, like, right. they should have known, like, <laughs> little boats can fuck us up. Like, that has shown that it could, it didn't sink the coal, but it, it absolutely made it combat ineffective and it almost sank. Which is, which is really one of the blind spots that American um, military planning has. Like, for the longest time, they really thought, and I think they, they're probably better at it now because we've just never done, you know, a real force-on-force war of attrition war in forever. Um, and all the wars that we've been doing is, you know, fighting uh, dudes with AK-47s in pajamas uh, in, you know, in, in flip-flops out in the caves or something. Um, but they were too ill about guys in black pajamas and flip-flops, but they're like 2-0 <laughs> and o against us now. <laughs> Yeah, for for a country that uh, yeah, I the reason Americans must hate communism so much is because communists keep kicking our asses at everything. Yeah, maybe one well, day, not uh, the Latin American ones, unfortunately. Those ones we can we're still able to hire death squads for, but like uh, all the ones that are any further away, it's like they have an ideology that's way far in advance of ours. Yeah, it's you know. I'm willing to say that the uh, the United States military, I, I keep saying army because I like to shit on the army as much as I can for obvious reasons, uh, but the United States military kind of sucks at learning lessons because like, you think they would have learned, I mean, because Van R- I, I don't know their service records, but all the generals involved in this were old enough to have served in Vietnam. I don't know if they did, but um, you know they had a mix of irregular attrition warfare and conventional warfare when they fought the armies of north vietnam combined with the Viet Cong, so you would they they suffered from a very serious lack of imagination is that as i think what somebody called uh this kind of thing before is like they they lack imagining terrible shit to happen right and that's why that's why van ripper is is great during all of this because <clears throat> he's the guy who you who's just like no i'll i'll come on I'll, i will fuck you up somehow like i will find a way and you know, I've never been op four. Um, I always wanted to be because I thought it'd be fun to just. Do, oh, it's great! Yeah, just fuck, <laughs> to just fuck up American soldiers constantly, be like, "You guys suck! I killed you all." But <clears throat> you know, uh, oppositional forces, like you know, I, I figure like sometimes they 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 will put. Um, I guess uh, what what's the word I'm looking for? Um, They'll put stop gaps on you, like as op force, like you can't do this, you can't. Oh, do that. absolutely, yeah, right. yeah. And it's like, but, but I can, like, sh- and shouldn't I? Like, shouldn't I? You know, as the oppositional force, be able to do the like. Now I get it. If I'm, you know, if the if the people, if the soldiers or the marines or whoever that's training are like some real pokey unit, 
Um, and I say that with love to all of my pogues. Um, yeah, you know, go a little easy on them because they're probably they're they probably. But I'm sorry if if you got some infantry guys or MPs or tankers or any like you know actual combat arms dudes out there, I should be able to go full force against you and whatever fucking crazy idea I have because I would. I would absolutely go out and think like a guerrilla soldier and just be like, all right, look, first off, I'm going to uh, lure them into uh, blowing up this mosque, and that's going to radicalize this entire city against them, all right? Number one. And, and you know, nobody, like, I guess in a two-week war game, you're really not going to go that in-depth with it, but also I should be able to, because guess what? Francis Soleimani Horton. Look, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not saying that, that I want to go up against American forces uh, as a war, uh, warlord myself. I'm just saying I think I could give them a real good run for their money. Um, uh, th- I can say that I do because it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, it was my main job when I was stationed at Fort Knox was to be op four for the Armor Basic Officer Leadership Course. Oh my God, that just made me hard a little bit. And uh, I you used get to, to be just able to, fuck up officers constantly. I used to be able to kidnap officers and drag them off into the city and make execution videos. <laughs> oh. It was the only time about the army. Yeah, yeah. Is the only, and then they sent me to Fort Hood and deployed me constantly as payback. But yeah, yeah I mean, when you're up for, you generally have parameters you have to follow. Like we were never able to just like annihilate an entire troop. We were able to surround and destroy platoons occasionally, like. But that was only if the lane guys, uh, I can't remember what they're, or what, they, what they call, what they're called, but the instructors. The OC, uh, observer controllers is what yeah. I always know them as, the OCs. Only when, like, a unit was absolutely not learning, not listening, not doing what they should, and not, like, learning, not taking the cues from the instructor where they give us the go-ahead, like, you know what, just fucking annihilate them. <laughs> but it was r- super rare. But, I mean, this situation... But, but, you should, but you should be able to do that. And, and yeah. that's the thing, is that, like, I you agree. Know, it's it's hard. Like asymmetrical war is hard to prepare for. Like it's it's not like you know if if we want you know uh, if if we're gonna roll across Russia you know from uh, one from one from Moscow to the uh, Siberian uh, plains or whatever into the Black Forest, you know that's that is kind of a force on force. You know that's they would have jets, they would have tanks, they have. Uh, the SU four hundred surface to airs, you know, like that oh, would yeah. be that would be a hell of a fight. Um, we would we would win. Um, I certainly believe, but sure. it would be a it would be a hell of a fight. But you can plan for that. Like, all right, we're going to take our tanks and we're going to go shoot their tanks with it. It's um, very easy to plan for that because there's doctrine involved, you know. Um, right, and it, it's like the most basic soldier skill available is like you dig a hole and you shoot people from it. It doesn't exactly. really work. In a situation um, like this, I mean, were we, you know, and I went to basic training in 2006. Um, and so, you know, we were already quite a few years deep into the now forever war. Um, and they weren't like teaching us about suicide bombers or anything. Like you were still sitting in a foxhole and shooting it at things. Um, I think that's kind of what happened here in uh, MC 2002 is you have aircraft carriers, destroyers, missile destroyers, whatever the fuck you want to call them. Uh, and they're big shiny computers, and they're like, "We're gonna fight a navy." You did kind of, but you didn't. And like, it, it's one of those things that I think the military is so large and slow moving that it generally doesn't happen very quickly, um, unless 
you foster that kind of thing. And normally it's when you're on the defense, you can move that quickly, which is why Van Ripper did so well. Uh, also, it, ha- it certainly helped that he knew all the doctrine he'd be fighting. Um, but I think you have an unwillingness to change, which we've seen constantly forever. Um, it, that's just, I think that's something that just bred into militaries. Once you have tradition, um, nobody wants to change it. And then generations pass and nobody even knows why you do it anymore. Yeah, and there's there, there's also a certain like I guess morale to it. Like you don't want you know you don't want to go out and do three weeks of uh, of a training mission that costs a quarter of a billion dollars and just constantly like, every day. Oh, how how is Van Ripper gonna fuck up, fuck us up today? Um, you know, because eventually, like you know, you 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 need the win to feel good uh, about it at the end. But like you know, so so after the uh, the, the speedboat incident. Then there was uh, bringing um, the, the V-22 Ospreys in, which is the, the tilt rotor aircraft, the thing that falls out of the sky about as much as uh, the F-35 does. I um, think the, 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 the Ospreys killed like a dozen people, too, over the years, like in, in, dur- just during development. Uh, this is, and this was five years before it even got to the field. Like, yeah, this was what this was? Like, yeah. Yeah the, yeah, the Osprey was another one of those, like, uh, not really, not really, but it was. I mean, we had them in. Hold on, let me. When did, when was these? Eighty nine was when they were. Oh Jesus Christ! First flight, nineteen March, nineteen eighty nine. Introduction. Introduction. Thirteen June two thousand and seven. So, it's it's a helicopter, guys. Like I get that the I get even the F thirty five didn't take this long. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Osprey. I was one years old uh, when this development started, and I had been in the army for a year and a half by the time it got to the field. <laughs> Love that uh, fucking turnaround, guys. Good fucking job. Yeah. Okay. So the F thirty five, the or the I'm sorry, the V twenty two has two giant propellers. Um, it's incredibly loud, um, incredibly identifiable on any you know radar scanners. So they said, "Well, okay, here they come. Uh, get out our surface to airs and shoot them out of the uh, out of the sky." And uh, White Cell said, "No, not doing that. Um, weren't allowed to shoot the C-130 troop transports, and also we're not allowed to deploy chemical weapons, which is what we are so worried about because we we're all told there is weapons of mass destruction." Um, was not able to, you know, drop chemical weapons on the uh, the drop zone for the soldiers. So, so basically, like. It's not even, like, doctrine, right? Like, uh, sure, Van Ripper knows the doctrine, but also it's like, okay, they're here. They're probably going to come at us with some helicopters and some airplanes. So get out the C-130, or get out the the surface-to-airs and start shooting them. And then he was told no. And not only was he told no, but he wasn't allowed to hide any of his stuff. That's the part that gets me. I don't understand why. Like, I can kind of get that don't shoot all the V-22s out of the air because, like, you already... There's 13,500 soldiers that took part in this shit. They're going to get some kind of training out of it. They're going to... You know, 80 seconds got to jump. That's why they're here. Um, These dudes in the fucking V-22, whoever they are, they got to go run around like idiots. Like, they're going to get training out of it, so don't shoot them. Okay, fine. Tracking that. But, like, now you have to let them destroy your weapons. Okay, that, that doesn't track to me. And another thing that's really dumb is the, the chemical weapons thing is, okay, if, if, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, I would say, don't use chemical weapons in the LZ just so they can land. And then you can use chemical weapons. 
because they'll be on the ground. The jump has already happened. They've gotten their training in. Now they can, you know, do NBC shit or Seaburn, whatever it's called now. But they said no, absolutely no chemical weapons at any time. Now, we are also going to point out, because the after-action review, because Van Ripper was very mad about all of this, but also General Bell uh, and his after-action, you know, the part of, there, there's an interview that's, uh, that's linked in here. He talks about that. He's like, look, it, we, we couldn't deploy chemical weapons. Like, and chemical weapons means tear gas for, for the army. Like, we, we throw um, tear gas out as a notional chemical weapon environment. Um, because it's like, you're going to feel it when, when you're there. So, you know, to throw your shit on, and it sucks, it sucks so bad, <laughs> but they said, don't, uh, you know, don't do that because the wind's going to blow it probably into a populated area. Like you got to understand, like, while this is all going on, like they still have to, like the Navy still, it has to watch out for shipping lanes, um, because there's still commerce happening. Um, the, the 82nd is drop is air jumping into an area where like, Look, there is still population around here. There are, st- are still like actual cities and people um, and towns and whatnot. And we don't want to, you know, put out these this this tear gas that's going to blow all over the place. You know, God knows where it's going to go. So don't do that. Now they could have done, hey, notional, um, right? When you hit, or you need to jump in Seaburn, or you need to, you know, in Mop Four, which like I can't imagine making a jump suck even more. Other than be like, yep, you got to put on your, your fucking J-list suit and your mask and then jump. Uh, but, you know, there, there's things that they could have done. But, you know, they had to work within time constraints. They had to work within the parameters of, like, not just, like, doctrine, but, like, we can't, we can't fuck up the day of the people around us too much. Like, so I get I kind of get it. I kind of get, like, where they're coming from with, with some of that. But I'm with you on the don't hide your shit. Um, yeah. Uh, also, know, like this, it's been a while since the U.S. military has accidentally, on purpose, gassed a whole bunch of civilians, so they're kind of rusty. <laughs> so, and at one point, like during all of this, um, Van Ripper goes to like the uh, the colonel who's kind of in charge of watching everything, you know, watching over, making sure the the red team, the blue team, are fighting fair or whatever. And uh, he wants to complain about you know all this, and uh, you know can't even you know can't even deploy my chemical weapons. And uh, Colonel Kernan uh, basically said, you, aren't pl- you were playing out of character. The Op 4 would never have done what you did, which is, like, just mind-blowing to me. Like, I'm the general of the Op 4. I know, like, right. this is what I would do. Right. Like, the, the, enemy would, the enemy won't do that is one of the dumbest things that I... Like, I can see that if, like, the Op 4, like, all came out wearing, you know, like, in full clown regalia with giant squeaky shoes. Hey, they're going to be looking for soldiers. Right. (laughs) You know, like, instead of having rubber chickens instead of guns and be like, look, Van Ripper, they would never do that. Like, oh, I guess you're right. Um, However, like, you know, blowing up the invading people coming in with my surface-to-air missiles, deploying chemical weapons against um, drop zones uh, where the soldiers are going to jump into hiding my my shit yes like i'm not even op for and i would do that because of course i would like it's why wouldn't very you, basic right this is an invasion force like you're going to repel them as best you can and so th- that's how you do it so you know like this whole thing there's so much back and forth to it because like i see where van ripper is coming from and i see where the blue team and bell and kernan are coming from but overall, like my, my, my very final takeaway from this is that 
the ego of the United States military still had to be sated. And that was the most, the most important thing that yeah. could be, that could be done here is that everybody has to go home with, uh, with their chest puffed out and say, look, we did it. And we could, you know, if it was real, we could do it. And we obviously see that we couldn't. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I've gotten out of this too. And I would be more on, Kiernan's side and Bell's side and everything else, if Van Ripper wasn't hired with the sole promise that it was open play and he could win. You know? Right. That is, he was told, like, you could win this game. And he did. I mean, yeah, he absolutely did win. And, he, you know, after what, like a week, he resigned because he's like, well, you guys aren't going to let me fucking do anything. I don't know why I'm here. So they just plugged in some random guy. I can't remember his name. I don't have it up. And they still. We're kicking the United States military's ass without Van Ripper. Like right. that that's when all these guys should have got together, like, man, we fucked up. Like, you know, like they did with the kamikaze boat attacks. They're like, okay, we're gonna keep you know, that they learned a lesson. It's not like they didn't go through that again. The Navy got refloated. Um, the 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 attack happened again and it was repulsed because they learned a lesson and they moved on. And it was like the white cell just decided to not do that anymore or yep. something. So, so Van Ripper, you know, as you say, just went and said, fuck all this. I'm out. Um, and you know, he shot off an email, um, and the email linked to the army or leaked to the army times. And, uh, you know, saying it was scripted. Um, it was the, the whole war games were fixed. So Kernan and, you know, was like, ah, you know, I was, um, wrong to say the word free play and uh he wished that he hadn't used it and then um kernan's deputy vice admiral martin mayer said i want to disabuse anyone of the notion that somehow the books were cooked uh then vice chairman of the joint chiefs of staff general uh peter pace declared flatly i absolutely believe that it was not rigged and yet a couple of years later uh about 10 years later there was a 752-page-long report on NCO2 released by the Joint Forces Command that basically detailed uh, how they had um, they caught the blue team off guard and that basically uh, everything was fucked up. Uh, the final, you know, uh, an explicit acknowledgement in it as the exercise progressed, the op four play, free play was eventually constrained to the point where the end state was scripted. The scripting ensured blue team operational victory and establish conditions in the exercise for uh, transition operations. So, yeah, they uh, uh, they they scripted it, um, and they they went for the the win in the end. Which, again, I, I understand stating the, the the ego of the United States military, but but if you do that, what's the point? Like, you didn't learn anything. Um, at the end of the day, all you learned was we can win if these specific conditions are matched. And then we go over there and we find out those, those fucking conditions don't exist. Yeah, and I think Van Ripper had a really good point. Uh, and this is from the War on the Rocks article again. Um, he said that, um, you know, I was hired for, uh, to do this or picked to do this. I don't know if hired is the right word uh, because of the free play situation. And the fact of what the whole purpose was is that, and all these weapons that, you know, obviously the V-22 had been designed since I was born. Uh, but you know, all these other uh, weapons and shit they were designing had a very specific purpose, and it all went into Unified Vision 2001, uh, which was, you know, the doctrinal changes that the Army was making to everything. Um, so MCO2 
was uh, was supposed to prove those concepts. And uh, Van Ripper said, quote, Wargaming is not normally corrupted, but this whole thing was prostituted and it was a sham intending to prove what they wanted to prove. Um, and he says, um, it was this whole thing was planned and done after the previous year's Unified Vision 2001 and, quote, validating a concept that had failed. Uh, because, like, I think he what he's trying to explain is that the army doesn't like admitting that's wrong. So, you know, and especially like, I mean, we just went over how long this process was for the V-22 to exist. Um, by accepting that a lot of these things had problems, um, that weapon, um, amongst others, radar problems, doc- deep-seated doctrinal institutional problems that led to this, they, they, they're like, they could be like, we need to fix this or at least start rectifying things that need to be fixed. Or they could be like, Nope, we were right. We spent all this money and everything worked out. Like, I, yeah, I, I think they, he has and, a good point on that. And then fucking moon walked into, uh, into Iraq, like doing force on force. We're all just going to, you know, push and push and push with our tanks and our, our Humvees. And we're going to take over all this stuff. And like, the Iraqi, you know, the, the the Republican Guard obviously collapsed, but then we went in and cut the head off the lion and uh, found, and we we cut the head off the lion, and then for the next ten years, the body of the lion thrashed around, scratching and you know, killing and still managing to to fuck up everything, and it's uh, and. It, and like, you know, nobody, how about that? How about we do a seven, like, okay, we did it. We got here. Now we need to war game 10 years of occupation while we try to rebuild this and lose shitload of money down the drain. And Dick Cheney gets a lot of money for uh, owning Halliburton. The system works. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, what's really impressive. Um, and I know the army really didn't have a whole lot of planning uh, for Iraq, uh, obviously. Uh, but it's it's kind of impressive. It speaks a lot to the system and, and the problems that I think are that you see in most imperial armies. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a history podcast, and we're talking about very very recent history. But you see, like the the end state of the British Empire uh, had a lot of things where like, well, the military will handle it, and they'd go and do things that uh, didn't really involve a lot of planning. Generals are doing things without really any kind of command staff ideas. Um, it, it's just like a, a giant gun-shaped hubris maybe um <laughs> but like it, it, they did they're they're one of the few armies i think um that had the abilities of being you know the new millennium to war game a, a war that was literally months away uh and failed they failed miserably and they're like yeah fuck it we're gonna do the war anyway like it's like some star trek shit if they have like uh you know a simulation room to run through scenarios like this only has a 30% chance of functioning, sir. And like, fuck it, let's do it anyway. Like, that's really dumb. Don't do it. They actually did it. And it killed like <laughs> well, a million people. Well, they, they were always going to do the Iraq war. Um, is probably is the yeah. problem. This yeah. was, th- this was, this was simply, uh, and, and I, I read a really interesting book called, uh, operation hotel, California about how we just like how, you know, the state department, the CIA, you know, in Iraq pre um, or sorry, in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, pre uh, Iraq invasion and working with the Kurds and saying, and calling back is like, Hey, we see like a, a fucking training camp here. Fucking send some JDAM, send, you know, artillery, something on these coordinates. We'll hit it. You'll kill like a thousand bad guys. It'll be great. 
And they're like, nah, we're not going to do that. Like, and just the frustration building, you know, of like, of, of seeing this like, no, they're just going to, they're just going to march us into war for, for no reason other than a show of force. Like there's no, there's no reason for it. We could, we could end this a lot quieter and quicker, um, but we're just not gonna. So it, it really feels like this was supposed to be the, the big, you know, the big dick swing parade, you know, military parade before uh, we walk in victorious into Iraq. And then we did for a minute, you know, we've got those great uh, videos of pulling down the toppling Saddam statues and hitting Saddam statue on the head with the shoe and the mission accomplished. And then like, you know, as we know, it was a long and bloody and protracted occupation uh, that was absolutely unnecessary. But uh, considering we broke it, um, we kept trying. It's like we broke it and then we were trying to glue it back together and we just kept gluing our fingers to themselves. (laughs) <laughs> and then to the curtains and then to the dog. And then we're just like, I guess we got to do the Keep doing this. Like nobody was like, stop, maybe get us more glue, <laughs> more glue. Yeah. Put more, put glue on the dog. There's maybe only one work. way out of this. We need more glue. We need to, know, we're going to glue our way out of it. The United States military and for a, a larger extent, the United States government is a lot like, um, like, uh, a, a single child with an overbearing, uh, overbearing parent that fails at everything they do. But like they're just encouraged, encouraged, encouraged to keep doing it. So they they just kind of turn into a shithead. And like you know, uh, actually, uh, you know, they go off to college or whatever. Like, well, I've never done anything right, or I've never I've never done anything wrong. But clearly, I can't do anything wrong. My mom always tells me I'm right. You know, and because you know things have been gamed for you for so long that when you actually have to do something, you just fucking suck at it. I mean, like they had a golden opportunity to actually train. And granted, I know Afghanistan is already going on. But, you know, that was almost like the phony war version of the Afghan war at that point um, until we fucked that up, too. Um, you know, it, 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 we just didn't do it. <laughs> it's it's impressive how bad this is. It's the thing that I always find so funny about it is that, like, as you said, we're it's like having a parent that tells you that you're doing well all the time. But like, we don't like we oh, we constantly lose. Um, we lose wars all the time. Um we won World War Two, but when I say we, I mean a shitload of people from multiple other countries. The and entire also, world, yeah, right. And also, we were there too. Um, you know, for for everything that we love to talk, you know, Tom Hanks on you know D Day. It's like, well, why don't you go over to like Dog Beach or like you know any you know any of the other ones that had like the the British or the Aussies on it who were also dying under withering machine gun fire. Um, but we're very up our own asses, basically. Uh, which is why every every war mo- every other war movie like every third war movie has to be a, a World War Two movie of some kind. Has to make everybody feel better. Like has to make everybody feel better about themselves because that one time they put an Iraq or Afghanistan movie out made everybody sad. Uh, it's <laughs> yeah. The only Iraq movie that made me sad was Stop Loss. <sighs> <laughs> At the end of that movie, I wanted to kill myself. At some point in time, <laughs> we're gonna have to review that movie. Wasn't that an MTV movie too? I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, America is it, it, America and UK have a lot in common, and there's a reason. You know, um, for that, we're the only two people so oh, so far up our own asses that will make movies about our soldiers going to your country and killing people and then feeling bad about it. God bless God. 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 Ryan Felipe was in this. 
returns <laughs> home returns home to Brazos, Texas, ready to re-enter civilian life. And then the army invokes a clause in his military contract. Uh, how does that even? That's not even stop loss. Anyway, that's just IRR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, motherfucker shouldn't have uh, shouldn't should have uh, finished out your contract. This is only this only happened. He only got stop loss because he took a detour into cruel intentions and just really wanted to fuck his stepsister. <laughs> and he had to go back to the army because that's the only place that everybody would give him a pass for doing that. <laughs> well, he's from he's from Texas, so I assume that it's okay there. It's actually just a sister, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh now yeah, Francis on, on this War show. Games, man. Yeah, yes. Um on this show we do a little thing called questions from the Legion. Okay. And um and I made sure we got one uh coming into this from the Discord that we both share. Uh uh <laughs> if, the, if if that's a good plug. Uh donate a dollar and you can ask us questions. But uh so I f- I figured instead of being history based, which is normally our thing, uh we're we're going to be uh dipping into the hell of a way to donkey vibe here and just go straight military. And then what is the worst place uh, in the United States military you can be stationed? And like I mean, like station, not like deployed, because obviously being deployed sucks. Uh, but like, what's the where's the worst place you could be stationed? You think? Uh, so um, uh, hold on. There's um, there's a base in Alaska. Um, what's the one? It's not Fort Richardson. No, Is that's Wainwright. Anchorage. Wainwright, yes. So Is Fort that the one Wain- that you guys just talked about? Everybody was killing themselves. Yes. The one, the suicide base, where the suicide, uh, the suicide rate is like quadruple that of the rest of the military because it's so. At least like in in Fort Richardson and Anchorage, you're in Anchorage and it's like a normal city and it's nice. And but when you go when you go seven hour drive north to Fort Wainwright in the middle of fucking nowhere, where like it's dark you know, for, for 20 hours a day or it's light for 20 hours a day, that sounds just like absolute hell to me. Like, I can't, I can't stand going into the Eastern time zone. Like, a one-hour time change fucks me up. I cannot imagine, like, this whole, you know, anything up there. But I will also say a terrible place to be uh, stationed um, is, uh, is being... The, the local, what do, what do they call it when you're stationed on the base? The, um, a training base, like the... Uh, oh, Tradoc? Yeah. Well, no, not... Well, Tradoc would suck too, but um, no, uh, Fort Irwin. Being like somebody oh, who's stationed yeah. on Irwin, like, because I, I went to Irwin in 2002, I believe. Yeah, 2002. Um, and I spent, I like, we didn't get there and then go into the box. Like we were reporting on, there was like a, a big medical mission that was going on there. We we're covering some stuff there. We we're kind of in the box. You know, we'd go there, we'd come back, but we weren't staying in the box. So we like interacted with like the actual atonement area, like where people live and operate and holy fucking shit. The saddest place I've ever seen. There was... <laughs> Look, there was this kid. Okay, I, 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 I wish that one day I, I wish that I could find this guy. So there's like one nightclub on the base. And you know how nightclubs go, like on the army, where, um, like on a Saturday night they have to rotate between, you know, they have to do a hip hop song, they have to do a rock song, 
and then they have to do like uh, a, a Hispanic, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, cholo, you know, something, something going. So you, they gotta, they gotta rotate between uh, true the, equality. Yes, right. They gotta rotate through the three, the three military genders of, <laughs> you know, white, black, and Mexican. But but this place, the uh, when we were there. It was basically they would have nights for everything. So they'd have like, it's country western night, it's hip hop night or whatever. Um, so because we had nothing really better to do other than drink, um, and I was underage at the time, so they made me the designated driver. Um, but we'd go, we'd basically go, and also the bowling alley, because it's always a bowling alley attached to it too. So we'd go bowling every night to this place. And there was like this one guy who would show up every night he was there. Um, and he was a goth dude. And was not in the army. Um, obviously, he had long, <laughs> long hair and facial, uh, long hair and facial hair. I don't. He looked like he was probably, like he was a. When I say big, I don't mean fat. I mean like he looked like he was probably like maybe in his late teens, early twenties. But I mean, he was there just like hanging out. So I don't know if he worked there like as a contractor or if he was just like somebody's kid that wouldn't move out or something. He was the game designer from grandma's boy. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but he showed up, dude, he showed up and cut. But the thing is he was a goth kid, but always in theme to whatever night it was. So if it was country night, he was country goth. If it was hip hop, <laughs> he was hip hop goth. It was phenomenal. I loved him. Um, country so, goth. Thank you for that. He showed up in all black, but like not like all black, like cool Johnny Cash with my you know a black ten gallon hat and you know night like no he like black trench coat, um but also a cowboy hat. So he was he was themed into whatever night it was. It was That's the most it was festive goth person I've ever heard of. <laughs> so uh, so yeah, I would say either of those. How about you? Um, Irwin sounds terrible. Uh, so does Wainwright. I remember listening to your episode about that, and it's shocking because the army suicide rates are already so high. But I'm a little biased when I say Fort Knox is the worst place I've ever been stationed. It was the first place I was ever stationed. Uh, it's a tradoc post, so there's drill sergeants running around everywhere. And uh, so I was in 16th Cavalry, uh, which is no longer there. I think they moved all that shit to Benning now. Uh, so. Uh, what I'm saying now about Knox may not be true at all anymore because this is, oh boy, over a decade ago. Um, but uh, Fort Knox is in a dry county. Uh, <laughs> and Jesus. It's in, and it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, like, it, it, you're about an hour away from Louisville, uh, and Louisville is not a great place to hang out. Uh, the, the, I mean, every military town sucks, but like Radcliffe and Elizabethtown, which are the two... Um, uh, cities right outside there almost every bar and club because uh, it's across the county line and it's like 40 minutes away um, is uh, blacklisted because there's like multiple stabbings and shootings going on there <laughs> um, and this is before they did like the huge revamp on Knox so um, all the buildings were older than I was um, well than I am now I was 17 then uh, but you know, they're, they're 30, 40, 50 years old. The barracks are clouded with black mold and falling apart. Um, you know, it's, it, there's not, there's just nothing there, uh, which is why, uh, everybody there is drunk and on drugs and fighting one another. Uh, that was the only place I've ever seen a Braveheart style battle in the middle of a parking lot against the cops. <laughs> is when you say that, is it because there was a Claymore sword involved? 
Uh, no, but there was multiple cavalry sabers. <laughs> like uh, we went so feral that an MP car broke down in our parking lot because even their shit sucked. Uh, they like they were driving like the Stratuses or something, which I've, I've never seen before. Uh, and like it, they broke down and just parked it. Uh, like they put it in neutral and like rolled it into a parking spot, and it got fucking stripped bare by soldiers. For <laughs> what? Well, where are you gonna go with it? Like, I think everybody just threw it in the dumpster. Um, yeah, I would too. Nobody, man. Ima- imagine like people don't like the cops. Like I know that that um, it's it's fun to say fuck the cops and fuck the troops, but like the troops don't like the cops either because they're the, <laughs> they're the cops. I mean. And and there are more than more than a few people who are in the military because they're trying to get away from like that that world, you know, where the cops fuck with you because oh, yeah. you hang out with ne'er do wells. Uh, but like on post cop soldiers, like I can't imagine like how I, I can't imagine like waking up every day and looking at yourself in the mirror and being like, I gotta go do a thing where everybody fucking hates me. It's got to be so demoralizing. And every MP I knew fucking hated himself. Because, uh, like, every, they always complain about their units having no morale and terrible leadership. Um, and, and like, I, I remember one of them telling me, like, you remember the old tagline that's like, you know, there's 250 ways to be a soldier or something like that. He's like, right. and the, the joke was 249 of those ways hate MPs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, you know, um, I would probably also, I've never been there, but Fort Bragg sounds terrible. Um, or Bragg just because does sound it's, terrible. Yeah. Just because it's full of 82nd Airborne. Um, I feel like going to Fort Bragg is like going to Clearwater, Florida, because it's like the headquarters of a cult. You know, it, like, I just don't want to hang out there. It just doesn't seem fun. Yeah. It's, also, it's kind of funny. You mentioned um, going to a, you know, Fort Knox being a trade dock base. When the last time I had to go down to Leonard Wood was two years ago, I think. Um, we actually like stayed down there for a couple, uh, a couple nights. Um, but that's, you know, uh, Fort Leonard Wood, there's, you know, drill sergeants all over the place. And I was dropping somebody off at, at sick call in the morning, one of our soldiers and, you know, taking, you know, dropping them off, taking them in and walking past like the, all the privates that are at sick call and the, like the two drill sergeants that are always standing there, like angry that they have to, I mean, drill sergeants just angry in general, yeah. but like having that, like, you know, that my 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 very first you know baby's first PTSD of seeing a brown round, <laughs> you know like Jesus Christ I'm gonna get fucking yelled at and then like fucking I I they, these guys are staff sergeants they they can't do shit to me. So I walk by I was like sergeant and I'm like yeah, Joe Sergeant how you doing? I'm I'm just here dropping this guy. You look at all these privates. Look at them. They're so cute. Like and then you start to kind of become like a bit of an asshole to them because you're just like you can't do shit to me. I don't know. I don't even go here. I don't even work here, motherfucker. What are you going to do? You can't fire me. You can't yell at me, drill sergeant. Uh, so it was wild because, like, I got stationed on Knox, and then one of the drill sergeants that was in my uh, company uh, left the trail, got stationed at Knox. We ended up in the same unit. Um, I did not like that at all, and neither did he. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did uh, uh, did I tell you that they uh, a drill sergeant unit tried to get me to be a drill sergeant? <laughs> Like first off, there's reserve drill sergeants. Um, I so, did not know that. Yeah, and actually, it's um, I, I've I've talked to them before because um, there's a there's a pretty robust drill sergeant uh, reserve drill sergeant unit um, near us, and uh, they like it. You know, their their annual training is like it's you know sometimes they they will rotate down and uh, and train soldiers, and they're like a lot of, like they're drill sergeants, but for only like you know 
small periods of time so they still like it and they're just like this is great you get to go down you get to mentor the soldiers you get to be with the you know the next you know the next generation of soldiers it's really great and it's like you go and meet like you know an actual drill sergeant who's been doing it for you know 10 months and you know his wife is you know texting him screaming at him uh because he's never at home he's constantly got to deal with these dumbass privates he keeps catching privates like fucking or doing drugs or doing you know stupid shit and it's just like jesus christ is this worth is it worth getting my next rocker for this um no. and it's always no um but yeah they they emailed me and the funniest part of it was uh that they mentioned that uh i must have a uh you know be be very um concerned about you know keeping my my fitness because i have a 200 i i got a 217 on my last pt test and i'm like look man and and for those of you, those of you who are not military, it's U seventeen on your PT test. I'm not gonna say it's bad because I passed and I didn't pass bare minimum, but it's not something that you brag about. Like, <laughs> right, right. It's just like okay. I mean, you're old and you're fat, and you probably don't give that much of a fuck, but you give enough of a fuck to pass the PT test so that the commander doesn't have to write a counseling statement about you. So for that, we appreciate it. <laughs> um, you know, but just be like. <laughs> Dude, I am there. You're really barking up the wrong tree here, and I don't know why. I don't even know how you got my. They they sent it to my um my my civilian email address. I'm like, how do you even have this? Go away. <laughs> we will never let you. I can imagine you sitting down, your brown around like gather around privates. I'm gonna teach you how to seize the means of production. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, be in charge of you until uh, at a certain time when you are comfortable to be able to vote your own leaders in. <laughs> Francis, thank you so much um, for joining us. Thank you for writing that article. Uh, it's good to see that Task and Purpose still has a sense of humor every once in a while. Um, <laughs> I st- I'm still, I still have good graces with one person there. Um, so and and one <laughs> and and that one person, God love him. Um, all the rest of them, they probably kind of ugh, to me. I can't shit talk them too much because uh, they still host uh, the review for my book, which is like the best review I've ever received. Um, not that it was written by anybody currently on this podcast or anything. <laughs> um, Look, I, 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 and and just in case there's any task and purposers that that do that do listen, um, I do enjoy some of their stuff. Um, but like any place that publishes things. There's things that I like and things that I don't like, and uh, and that's perfectly fine. And the way that you make the way that you get better things for you to like on them is uh, you write for them. So I do that occasionally. Yeah, and uh, I would write for them, uh, but I am drowning under deadlines and a podcast. <laughs> you got your own shit. I did yeah, this to I, myself. I'm not going to be writing for them much uh, either because I'm writing for myself because I told myself is like I need to update podcast, you know, website, uh, you know twice a week and it's like shit i actually need to like produce content for that now god damn it <laughs> it is Fun. a motherfucker <laughs> like, i i signed uh, uh, a two-book deal uh to finish my sci-fi trilogy i was like fuck yeah i got contracts and everything like, oh shit i have to write them now <laughs> it's been a motherfucker francis thank you so much for coming on uh feel free uh this is the plug zone if anybody yeah. doesn't know about the hell of a way to die yeah hell of a way to die.com it's another uh it's another podcast um go go listen to it it's uh nate and i are not uh historical whatsoever um but we do yell about things a lot so if you're into that uh then we're for you and uh if you like what we do here uh, our show will always be free and we'll never do advertising again 
But if you want to support us, you can throw us uh, a dollar on Patreon. You can get access to our Discord where you can hear me and Francis complain about being sober, as well as ask questions to the Legion. We'll answer them on air. Um, $5 or more gets you uh, two bonus episodes a month and access to books, stickers, and all sorts of other good stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. Check out Hell of a Way to Die and uh, check out the other cousin podcast that we uh, that is part of the hell of a way to die universe trash future which nate helps do um well leftism in the united kingdom yeah uh at this point our podcast world is becoming the charlie day string graph trying to figure out who pepe silva is and yeah and i fucking love it <laughs> it's not pepe silver it's nate Bethay, and he's just <laughs> producing all of our podcasts he's he's that he's that like you know uh, a picture of He's in the middle as the octopus and all the arms are out holding different podcasts that he runs. Somebody needs to make that, please. (laughs) Until next time, everybody have a good one.